0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Bigger Insights Privacy and Security Podcast, the most actionable privacy and security podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about lessons from this most recent LastPass hack that occurred in 2022, and we're also going to talk about what you should do about it if you're a LastPass user. This episode is really for anybody who's interested in cybersecurity, And if you're considering using LastPass, you might want to think otherwise and maybe use something a little bit more private and secure like KeePass or Bitwarden. And if you haven't already, you might want to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes to help get a little bit more context about what we're talking about. More specifically, why you need a password manager, don't use LastPass, use these instead, and why free and open source software matters. So, just to provide a little bit of background, we started warning our clients about some of the troubling things that we noticed about LastPass back in 2021. And then we wrote a a blog post about this on our website, biggerinsights.com, in September 2022. And then shortly after that, one of LastPass's DevOps engineers got hacked. Um, Basically, he was using his personal device. Which you should never do, by the way. I mean, not only is that a risk for you as the employee, but that also presents risk for the employer, uh, which was made painfully apparent in this case. So basically, this employee was running a very outdated version of Plex, the Plex media software that had a very serious remote code execution vulnerability in it and some attacker used that to implant malware on this employee's device that was logging his keystrokes. This is known as a keylogger, and it was used to record this employee typing in his or her username, password, and multi-factor authentication code. So once the attacker got this information, they used it to log into LastPass's corporate vault, which it sounds like they were using their own service, LastPass, to store some of their secrets. And then the attacker used that information to get access to customer vaults and other customer data. And that data included unencrypted URLs. So if you were using LastPass and then you type in a password entry for fecesbook.com or whatever, that URL was not being encrypted. So not only did LastPass have access to the URLs of all the accounts that you had, which is a very bad thing, but now whoever stole that information has that as well. In addition to that, the hackers now have the names, billing addresses, I think maybe some partial credit card information and email addresses of LastPass users. But back to the whole unencrypted URL issue, this is extremely disappointing, and if you listened to our episode on why free and open source software matters, you would have learned that these are the kinds of prizes that you win when you use closed source software. If you use something open source and more trustworthy, like KeePass or Bitwarden, for example, they encrypt your URLs. They encrypt all of the information that you type into the application. That's the way that it should be. And we're sitting over here scratching our heads saying, why would LastPass not be encrypting people's URLs? That is sensitive information and you can learn a lot from somebody just based on what websites they visit or where they have accounts. Not to mention, they could have been selling that information all this time. I don't know why else they would want that if they weren't selling that or sharing it with a third party. And even if that's not the case, now whoever hacked them has all that information. So LastPass users are now at high risk of being targets of phishing attacks, because if whoever took these password vaults can't get into them, they can still see what accounts you have. And they can do different things with that information, like try to find other passwords that you've used in the past that have been compromised and other data breaches and see if they can get into your accounts that way they can also send users phishing emails and text messages that are quite convincing they can say something like hey pepe sylvia um this is wells fargo we've detected some unusual activity on your account you better hurry up and click this link and recover your account or we're going to lock it or something like that And unfortunately, I think a lot of people would fall for that, especially if they saw, you know, their real name being used and an institution that they actually do business with, because as far as they're concerned, nobody else should really know that information. But one thing that we're looking forward to is some of LastPass's source code also got stolen, and we are really dying to know what all is in there, because... So far, we've learned that not only was LastPass not encrypting URLs, which they should have been, but they were also doing some questionable things with regard to the iterations that they're applying to people's passwords. So basically, older users had fewer iterations on their passwords, which are used to make it more difficult to crack those passwords. And over time, LastPass was increasing the number of iterations for newer accounts, but they never went back and upgraded the passwords from older users. But with LastPass being closed source, we can't see what other turds lie beneath the surface. So we're hoping that somebody does leak that code so we can see what, what else they're doing. And for some of you who haven't listened to our previous episodes and haven't really been following LastPass over the past several years, some of this might sound a little overdramatic because You know, Any company is vulnerable to someone hacking one of their employees, but what you need to keep in mind is this is far from LastPass's first serious security incident, and as far as we're concerned, it's probably not going to be the last. We saw this issue coming from a mile away, which is why we started warning our clients about it and writing about it on our website, so you should check that out at biggerinsights.com. And you should also read a little bit about their history on Wikipedia. So ever since 2015, they've had a significant security incident on almost a yearly basis, which is interesting because that's somewhat around the time that LastPass was bought by Logman, which is now called GoTo. So now let's go over some lessons from this incident so that we can learn from it and try to not repeat some of these mistakes in the future. The first lesson is to take security seriously. It's very clear to us that this DevOps engineer did not take his security very seriously, or he wouldn't have been using his personal device for work. He would have been updating Plex and not using a version that was years old and riddled with security holes. I know that security isn't fun and it's not something that anybody really wants to think about or pay attention to, but just think about how much devastation something like this can cause. I mean, this incident alone could actually sink LastPass. At a minimum, it's going to cost them millions of dollars in terms of losing customers and class action lawsuits. I, I believe. There already is a class action lawsuit filed against them for this. I'm assuming that the employee who got hacked was fired, and for good reason. I mean, you can't have somebody making decisions like that on your staff and guarding, you know, some of your most sensitive business secrets. And from the employee's perspective, he should be worried about his career. I mean, who would hire somebody who would do something like this? Just imagine trying to explain to a prospective employer that you cost your former employer millions of dollars in damages because you were using an insecure personal device to do your work and access highly sensitive business information. And think about the millions of users whose vaults have been stolen. Think about how much devastation this can cause their lives if someone's able to crack into their LastPass vaults. I mean, just imagine what a bad actor could do if he could get into your email accounts and your bank accounts and your social media accounts. And the second lesson for everyone is to be proactive. We sat down with the client about a year ago and warned her about the dangers that LastPass posed because we found out that that was something that she was using. And we helped her open a Bitwarden account and showed her how to use it. And where we left off with that was we gave her instructions to move all of her accounts from LastPass to Bitwarden and then cancel her LastPass subscription and delete her account. And like I said, that was about a year ago. So after I learned about this 2022 LastPass hack, I followed up with her and I said, hey, you know, did you ever end up deleting your LastPass account? And she said, no, I haven't gotten around to that. So now we're worried that someone might crack into her LastPass vault and start breaching her other accounts. So stay proactive. If she was being proactive about this, this would be a non issue. And now she's in a mad scramble to follow the directions that we gave her a year ago. And not only that, but she has a lot more work to do now because not only does she need to move her accounts from LastPass to Bitwarden, but now she should really be considering changing all this passwords as well because she doesn't know if someone's going to be able to crack into that vault so along those lines consider becoming a bigger insights client we go to great lengths to protect our clients in many ways one of which is helping them avoid landmines like lastpass and other questionable services so if that sounds interesting to you fill out the short form at the bottom of our website biggerinsights.com and we'll reach out to you to schedule your initial consultation. So now I'm gonna share some of the red flags with you that we look out for to help us identify and avoid turds like LastPass. And the first one is closed source software. We avoid this as much as possible, especially when it comes to protecting our most sensitive data like passwords. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, We did a whole episode on why open source software matters. And a big chunk of that episode discusses what a lot of the problems with closed source software are. And one of those is a lot of companies like LastPass use the closed source nature of their software to hide things from their users, like third party trackers and poor encryption methodologies and other things like that. The second red flag are third-party trackers embedded in the software. It was discovered, at least as far back as 2021, that the LastPass mobile apps on Android and iOS had 30-party trackers in them. The Android app had as many as seven of them, including Google, and from our own testing, we discovered that there was a Google tracker embedded in the iOS client. And that might not sound like a big deal to some of you, But the question is, what does that say about the company that they value you and your data and your privacy so little that they're willing to send your data to third parties like Google without even asking for your permission or making it clear that this is what they're doing? I mean, what if you opened LastPass and a little pop-up came up and said, hey, by the way, every time you open the app, every time you use it, we're going to send information about what you're doing and when you're doing it to google and these other third party companies what would you think about that and i'm guessing that most people would not be okay with that and that's why they hide it from you with their closed source software as far as i'm aware you're not going to see anything like that in bitwarden or keypass or most other open source software another red flag to look out for are services owned by large corporations. Now, one of the things that makes us unique in the privacy and security world is we're not anti-business. We're very pro-business. We actually have a finance podcast, by the way, so you should go check out the Bigger Insights Finance podcast. But pragmatically speaking, it just usually works out that way that large corporations tend to produce software and services that present very serious privacy and security risks to their users. So when LogMeIn bought LastPass, that should have been the cue to a lot of people to leave for greener pastures. Because when companies like LogMeIn or Microsoft or FecesBook or whomever buy these smaller apps and services, they make a lot of really bad changes. Typically, the prices go up, they start cutting corners, they start cutting QA and security staff, and the security goes down, privacy goes down, telemetry goes up, advertising goes up. It's just a bad situation. So just keep that in mind if a piece of software or a service that you're using gets bought out by one of these larger players. So for example, we use Proton somewhat extensively. If Proton came out one day and said, hey, we're being bought by Google, you know, we would switch to something else that day. And another red flag to look out for are apps and services that are really popular as a result of their affiliate marketing campaigns. So over time, we've learned the hard way that when you go to YouTube or Google or whatever, and you're looking for, you know, what's the best password manager, what's the best VPN or whatever, the vast, vast, vast majority of the results that you're going to get are just ads. And they don't look like ads because these are affiliate marketing campaigns. So basically, some creator will say, oh yeah, LastPass is great. It's the best password manager that's ever been created. It's awesome. Click my link and and go buy it. And when you do that, they get a commission. And there's nothing wrong with that, technically. I mean, you know, even we might do affiliate marketing at some point for a product and service that we really believe in, but that's the fly in the ointment here because a lot of these creators are not recommending products and services that they think are actually best for their users. They're recommending the ones that give them the highest commissions. I mean, when I started looking for password managers many years ago, I didn't hear a single peep about KeyPass. Keypass is absolutely amazing. It's one of the best open source softwares out there. Didn't hear a single word about it. And the reason is because it's completely free and no one's getting paid. So you're not going to hear anything about it from most people. So just to help drive that home, just keep in mind that oftentimes a lot of the most private and secure software out there, you're hardly going to hear anything about because a lot of them are either completely free or they just don't even have affiliate marketing campaigns for integrity reasons. I believe IVPN is one of those companies, I'm pretty sure, but I, I think I saw a page on their website where they basically explained why they don't do affiliate marketing and why they think it's a bad thing. And, you know, unfortunately, one of the side effects of that is you don't see a lot of people shilling their service. Another major red flag, which unfortunately is kind of difficult to determine until you run into this, is try your best to avoid companies that make it difficult to leave them or stop paying for their service. Every time I see this, it reminds me of the Berlin Wall. You know, when you think about walls, you normally think about those being there to keep people out, like keep people out of your country or off your property. But in this case, the Berlin Wall was there to keep people from leaving. And this is what a lot of garbage companies do, is they put up a lot of barriers to prevent their users from leaving. Now, this isn't quite the case with LastPass. From what I remember, when I deleted my LastPass account, the process was pretty reasonable, but there are other companies like Nord, you know, the the makers of NordVPN, Which is make it very difficult and very annoying to stop paying for their service and delete your account. Last time I looked into this, it was really confusing figuring out how to cancel your subscription. And then once you did, they did things like beg you to come back and send you confusing emails and things like that. It was was really bad. And if you want to delete your account, you have to fill out a form on their customer service page, which asks six or more questions, like who you are, and even like payment information. You have to give them information from your payment card just to get them to delete your account. And the message there is don't leave. We don't want you to leave. We're gonna try to put up as many barriers as possible to make sure that you don't leave or cancel your subscription, because they know that what they're offering isn't good enough to keep you there on its own merits. But if you contrast that to a more trustworthy company like Proton, for example, if you want to delete your Proton account, you go into your account settings, there's a little red button at the bottom that says delete my account, and they'll delete your account with no questions asked. I think that there's like an optional message box to explain why you're deleting it or something like that, but they don't bother you. You click delete, and then they delete your account. Another thing to avoid, are companies that have very poor responses to privacy and security incidents. Now in this particular case, I think LastPass has done an okay job. That's kind of difficult to evaluate at this point because this issue is still unfolding. But we see a lot of cases on a regular basis where companies just don't take these kinds of issues seriously. Or, you know, a security researcher might reach out to them and say, hey, you've got this AWS bucket with highly sensitive information in it that's completely insecure, and we can see all the data, and they'll take like months to address it. If you see anything like that, you need to stay away from those companies because it's clear that the privacy and security of their users is not one of their high priorities. And along those lines, also be wary of developers that don't take bugs seriously. It's pretty much Corporate policy at a lot of these large software companies to spend 99% of your time on new features and constantly refreshing the UI and just letting bugs sit around for months or sometimes years. And that can be very risky because sometimes what looks like a harmless bug can actually present a serious vulnerability. Sometimes these bugs can also be chained together to create a serious vulnerability. So just as a perfect example, in 2021, it was discovered that Microsoft Azure had a feature called Jupyter Notebooks, which they added to their Cosmos DB, which is their database service, and they turned it on for all customers by default. And this Jupyter Notebook feature had a bug in it which allowed anyone who knew how to exploit it to access the contents of any other customer's azure database which is really kind of a nightmare scenario because a lot of corporate and government entities use azure and aws and other clouds to store tremendous amounts of information about you so what probably looked like a pretty benign bug In some stupid little visualization feature that Microsoft introduced ended up being a bug that gave someone direct access to everybody's databases. And if you know anything about Microsoft, they don't exactly have a great history of producing clean, stable code and fixing bugs promptly. And that's why we don't recommend using Microsoft's products and services. If you're an employee, There are some lessons here for you as well. First of all, don't use your personal devices for work. We'll probably talk about this in a separate episode, but employers are increasingly using, I guess, what you could call surveillance software to monitor what employees are doing at home. I think they call this bossware or something like that. I can't remember what the term for that is. So if you're using your personal devices, your employer, has an interest in knowing what those devices are, what's on them, how are they secured, and what you're doing with them. Using your personal devices from work also presents security issues for your employer, which you may or may not care too much about. From my own experience, my observations suggest that a lot of employees really don't care about their employer's security, but they just seem to have this attitude that you know if if I get my computer infected and that causes a huge problem for the company and the company goes out of business or I lose my job or something. I'll just go work for somebody else. you know it's not my business that's going under and there's a little bit of truth to that, but think about it from the perspective of this DevOps engineer. I mean when when he goes to interview for another employer, they might not want to hire him. I mean who would want to hire somebody who used their personal device? that had vulnerable software on it and ended up, you know, costing his employer millions of dollars. I wouldn't hire somebody, at least not in that kind of a role. I mean, maybe I would hire him to clean the toilets or something like that. But but just keep that in mind. If you cause a a very serious issue like this at work, that could really hurt your own career. And along those lines, if you're an employer or a manager, there are some lessons in here for you as well. And that is that a major security event could sink your business. You know, it's not that uncommon that I see these headlines like man spends 22 years building his business and ransomware destroys it in five minutes. And what I was talking about before with employee lessons, I have it on good authority that a lot of employees really, truly don't care about your security. You know, they'll use the weakest passwords that you'll allow them to use because they don't want to spend an extra 20 seconds using a password manager or something like that. Because again, if that ends up causing a problem, as far as a lot of them are concerned, it's not their problem, it's your problem. And even to the extent that the issue isn't that they just don't care, some of them are just blissfully unaware of a lot of the cybersecurity risks that they face. I'll give you a perfect example of that. I worked at a technology firm not that many years ago, and one of the things that they would do every once in a while is cybersecurity training and one of these phishing email tests to see if people are paying attention and actually learning from the training material. And after, I think it was multiple tests, I was talking to one of our IT guys, and he said that about 20% of the employees failed the test, meaning that they clicked on the links in the phishing emails. Now, keep in mind, this was a company, this was a technology company composed mostly of younger employees who are, you know, very much up to date with technology, and about 20% of them failed this test. So if you're an employer or a manager, you know if that doesn't terrify you i don't know what does because statistically just based on this one test if you got at least 5 employees chances are one of them is going to fall from one of these phishing attacks and that could sink your business not to mention i took the test as well as i was one of these employees and the tests were not very good these were not very high quality phishing attempts So the lesson here for employers is you need to take the initiative because your employees are not going to do that. And along those lines, I wouldn't rely on things like company policies either. You know, every company has policies like, you know, we don't want you to use personal devices or things like that. But, you know, I guess that's fine to have after the fact you know, if you want to have some reason for firing somebody for an issue like what we saw with LastPass. But most employees ignore these kinds of policies anyway. So you really need to focus on how you can force them to practice good security practices, which admittedly is easier said than done. But there are things you can do like forcing strong passwords and forcing multi-factor authentication. And one of our favorite is, when it comes to what employees can access, implement a policy of least privilege. If an employee doesn't need access to something, don't give it to them. Because not only might they intentionally do something malicious with that information or that data, but you also have to account for the possibility that they might be socially engineered into giving someone else access to that or you know their devices might be infected and that might expose that information to a bad actor as well so a policy of least privilege makes a lot of sense and it's something that we always recommend and even though there are significant limitations we also recommend that you conduct cybersecurity training and tests like we alluded to earlier some employees have a tendency to ignore those things But it's better than nothing. I mean, some people do pay attention and put those ideas into practice. And if somebody does screw something up, at least you can sit them down and say, hey, you know, we talked about this. This was in the training. You know, why did you not do what you were supposed to do? And just to illustrate that point, we have a client who works for a professional services firm. And he was telling me that one of the employees in their HR department Fell for a phishing scam where an attacker pretended to be someone high up in the company and asked her to send them all of the employees' W 2 forms. And she fell for it. She sent them out and caused, you know, identity theft and other issues for their employees. And since then, they've had cybersecurity training to try to prevent these things from happening in the future. And this same employee fell for almost an identical phishing campaign uh, just a few years later, but this time the attacker asked for health insurance information and she gave that up as well. So not surprisingly, she's no longer working there anymore. But let this be a cautionary tale to employers and managers out there. You know, I, I hate to be a jerk about it, but there are some people that just don't get these things. And if you've got employees... are going to fall for things like this you got to get rid of them because they are going to fall for them and once they do attackers have a tendency to keep going back to those people over and over again to get more information out of them we see this a lot in the scamming industry as well when somebody falls for a scam like one of these irs scams or tech support scams those people get put on i believe what they call it is a sucker's list where the scammers will just keep hitting them over and over and over again because it's clear to them that they just don't get it. So if you have an employee like that, you need to do something about it, which might be just putting them in a role where they don't have access to sensitive information. So now let's go over a few lessons for software companies and developers. There's a few things that you guys need to stop doing, and one of them is producing closed-source software especially if that software is supposed to be protecting highly sensitive information, because chances are you're going to screw something up and you have to wonder what is that going to mean for you, your business, and your customers if a major vulnerability is discovered and that information gets breached. And there's long been this idea that companies cannot open source their software because, I I don't know, people have this idea that If you do that, then all your secrets get out, and people steal your code, and then you won't be able to make money or something like that. And I'm just not necessarily convinced that that's true. I mean, Bitwarden is open source, and from what I understand, they're doing quite well. They're probably gonna end up eating LastPass's lunch. Uh, From what I understand, GitLab is also open source. So it's not quite true that you need to close source your code in order to protect your business. And you also have to keep in mind where the mentality of your customers is going. The world is moving toward open source software and trustless computing. So if you're relying on closed source software and security through obscurity, you know, that might cause a problem for you down the road. And along those lines, don't roll your own crypto. You know, there are a lot of great off-the-shelf, open source, accepted standards for encryption. It really makes us cringe when we hear companies like LastPass trying to brag about how their encryption schemes are proprietary. I mean, why do that? Why spend your time and money developing a proprietary encryption scheme which might very well have holes in it when you can just use something that's generally accepted off the shelf and free? Another thing to keep in mind is to avoid using third-party trackers because people are really starting to wake up to this and they're starting to use, you know, DNS filtering and other tools to discover what kind of connections their apps and services are making without their knowledge. And over time, I'm starting to gather that a lot of developers and businesses are of the opinion that these things don't really matter because they think to themselves, oh, well, when I use Firebase or whatever, I'm getting valuable information or logging information or telemetry or whatever to help improve my product. What's the big deal? The big deal is you're funneling your user's traffic through a third party without your user's knowledge. You know, just the other day, I was on a forum and someone was asking, how can I get around people using ad blockers and blocking Google Analytics or something like that? And the top rated answer said, you don't. If people don't want to be tracked, don't track them. And the original poster got back on trying to defend their question and said something like, Well, we're not tracking our users. There's no tracking going on here. But that's not the issue. You know, if you are making a password manager, for example, and you're embedding third party trackers into your app, yes, it's great. I'm happy for you that you're getting, you know, whatever analytics or debugging information that you're looking for. But what you're missing is all the information that these third party trackers are collecting from your users. You know, when I open your app, I do not want that app communicating to Google or Book or Twitter or TikTok or any other third party, period. I don't care what the reason is. And I think a lot of other people are starting to come to this conclusion as well. So if you want to have a business and you want to have users, start thinking about this. If you're relying on third-party trackers to get certain information, you should probably come up with a better alternative. And along those lines, don't be creepy. Don't ask for privileges that you don't need. Don't share people's information with third parties unless there's a very good reason to. Not only are those things unethical, but they can cause real compliance headaches. You know, on our website, for example, we don't use cookies, we don't track our users, we don't do any of that garbage. That's a huge load off of our shoulders because it makes it very easy to comply with the various laws that are out there regarding collecting people's information. I mean, right now, business owners need to worry about GDPR and the CCPA and whatnot. Just imagine if, you know, 10 years down the road, We have these kinds of laws for every country and every state. If you're one of these creepy websites that are tracking your users and sharing their information with 800 different parties, which a lot of them do, by the way, how are you gonna comply with these laws? And when you're not being creepy, not only does it help boost your reputation, but it also makes it easier to get things like HIPAA compliance, for example. So if you take a look at Bitwarden's website, for example, It says that they have compliance with GDPR, Privacy Shield, HIPAA, CCPA, and that helps them get new customers, and that's a lot easier to do when you're not being creepy. You know, companies like Microsoft are in this constant battle with certain jurisdictions, mostly in Europe, regarding privacy and You know, what data is going where? And that's because they collect a tremendous amount of data. If Microsoft products weren't collecting so much user data to begin with, this wouldn't be a problem for them. And, you know, if you read the news, you'll see things like France and Germany banning, you know, certain Microsoft products. I think some European schools have also banned Microsoft Office because of this data sharing concern. And, you know, that's what you're going to get if you're going to be creepy. And the final lesson for software companies here is to stop relying on affiliate marketing to push your product. You know, a good product or service sells itself. So if you feel like you need to pay a bunch of creators to shill your product because it won't stand on its own, you need to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to create a good product or service that people actually want and will pay for. So now let's switch gears and talk about what you should do if you are an existing LastPass user. The first thing you're gonna wanna do is change your master password, because if this threat actor is able to crack into the copy of your vault that they already have, then that'll allow them to potentially log into your existing database and look at any changes that you make. You're also going to want to be on the lookout for text and email phishing attacks. So like I was saying earlier, this hacker has your name, your address, your vault, and the URLs of the accounts that you have. So they can craft, you know, pretty convincing phishing email and text messages that have your name in them. And they'll pretend to be from one of these companies that you have an account with. So you might get an email like, hey Bob Smith, this is the Feces Book security team. We've discovered that your account has been compromised as a result of this LastPass data breach. Click this link right here and recover your account. And we're quite certain that a lot of people are going to fall for things like that. The next step that we recommend is that you set up KeyPass and or Bitwarden so that you can start moving your accounts from LastPass to those more trustworthy password managers, and then update your passwords. Now, I realize that that's a lot of work, so we recommend that you start with the most critical passwords that you have, like those for your email account, your bank account, your mobile phone service, things like that, and also focus on the passwords that are most vulnerable, because so those could be either ones that you reuse a lot, which you shouldn't do, but you know obviously a lot of people do, and also passwords on accounts that are not protected with multi-factor authentication. Once you get all of your accounts outside of LastPass, then we recommend sanitizing your account, which we'll go into more detail in a separate episode, but basically that'll involve doing things like downloading your invoices and screenshotting whatever data is in your account, changing your LastPass email to an alias, changing your name, deleting your Billing address, deleting your credit card information, whatever, then canceling your subscription and deleting your account. And the reason why we recommend going through that sanitizing process is to help protect you from future data breaches. So there is always the risk that when you delete your account that they're not actually deleting your data. So if they get breached again in the future, ideally what someone would see is just a bunch of fake information about you. All right, so that wraps up this episode. If you know anybody else who uses LastPass, you might wanna share this episode with them so that they can help protect themselves. And if you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe because we're producing a lot of great content like this. And we are going to be warning about other software and services that we think you should avoid, like NordVPN, for example. That's gonna be a future episode, so you can look forward to that. And finally, consider becoming a bigger insights client. We understand that these things can be complicated and confusing to a lot of people, and we're concerned that without some sort of an advisor on your side, that people are going to hear things like this and think to themselves, oh gosh, well, you know, this password manager got hacked and that one got hacked. I think I should just go back to putting all of my passwords in an Excel file in my Dropbox account, which is a bad idea. So consider becoming a client because we can sit down with you in one-on-one sessions and help you make sense of these things and live a more private and secure life. So if that's interesting to you, go ahead and go to our website, biggerinsights.com, and fill out the short form at the bottom. So thanks for staying until the end. Stay tuned and stay safe out there.